Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks to everyone who supports Daily Tech News Show directly. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, July 18th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Scooter Lane. You remembered to call yourself Scooter this time. Good. <laughs> Very glad. Uh, also joining us far to the north, Tristan Jutris from LimestoneLearning.com. How's it going? Great. Hello from Misty Vancouver, BC. Now, you were saying it's hot up in Vancouver and we had thunder here in L.A. So like everything's all topsy-turvy. We're in the upside down today, apparently. Yeah, seriously. Uh, also with us is our producer, Roger Chang. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right, considering. Yeah. Roger's fighting a little illness. I don't know how much he wants us to talk about it, but it's not fun. Illness. Illness. <laughs> Ugh, gross. All right. <laughs> well, let's start with a few tech things you should know. I do like each other, I swear. Okay, the European Commission has fined Google 4.3 million euros for three cases of abusing its dominant Android market position, and we're going to talk a lot more about this subject a little later in the show. Blizzard has changed its model for World of Warcraft, letting you get all the past versions of the game when you sign up for the $15 a month subscription. In the past, you had to buy the game and pay the monthly fee. Now, you just sign up for the monthly fee, although it does not appear to include the next expansion, Battle of Azeroth. That arrives on August 14th, and they're still selling that for 50 bucks. Microsoft says it will announce new Xbox hardware and accessories at GamesCon, which is in Germany, on August 21st. Best guesses, at least for now, for those in the know, are a new Xbox Elite controller and possibly new specs for existing console models. And Chinese Apple users who have not opted out, which they can do, will now have their iCloud data stored on servers from China Telecom's Chanyi cloud storage business rather than on Apple servers. And that allows data to fall under Chinese jurisdiction rather than U.S. jurisdiction since Apple servers are largely in the U.S. otherwise. All right, let's talk a little bit more about what's going on with Venmo. Well, it's funny that you mentioned opt-out, Tom, because mm. a researcher based in Berlin, Hongdu Tiduk, 
analyzed more than 200 million public Venmo transactions that were made in 2017. And she was able to see the names of every user who hadn't changed their settings to private. That's not all, along with the dates of every transaction and the message sent with the payment. So this is not something that anybody who uses Venmo and understands privacy settings is going to be surprised at. However, the default for Venmo sharing is public. And a lot of people clearly are not customizing their privacy settings. It's not the first time we've had a story about this, but in the past, they've been like Huffington Post stories about like, look at all the funny things people post on Venmo. Right. Uh, and this is a, yeah. a, a researcher kind of taking a more methodical approach and saying, well, let, let me show you like just how much is shared. And it's because they don't alert you to this. I mean, Venmo says, hey, we give everybody the choice to make it public or not, but they don't alert you that it is by default public when you sign up, which I don't think is the best practice personally. Tristan, I don't know what you think. Well, that reminds me of the early days of um, of Facebook, for example, when you would log in with a Facebook account in the in the early two thousand or the mid two thousands, and it was everything was public by default, and it was after years and years, and finally some public outcry that they made things friends only by default. So, I think if you're going to make things public by default, you really the onus is on you as a business to really make that crystal clear to your users, because otherwise, it's a little bit of bad faith. Like, have anything where it's like opting out of something that could risk your personal uh, information, I think is is not a good policy for people who want to keep customers going forward. Well, and it's it's one level beyond being able to, oh, okay, location tracking was on in this particular app, so someone kind of knows where I am. But it's transactions that are associated with repeated locations, with repeated uh, yeah, contacts. And so there can be thing glean there could be things gleaned from specifically financial transactions especially when you're giving it a subject which you have to do in venmo by the way even if it's private between you and the person receiving the money you have to give some sort of a reason why you're sending the money venmo just um, they insist on it and they also block certain keywords when you do that which is probably part of the deal too but yeah i mean if a researcher is like i know a lot about a lot of people's uh, personal habits and financial transactions just by watching public stuff it should probably not be public by default yeah some of the some of the things that duck found in her research uh were like lover spats which very obviously were not done with the idea that other people would be reading them right uh, and there's always been a, tales of drug transactions on venmo whether people are joking or not, one of the ones that she found, though, uh, was definitely a a person who sold marijuana like <laughs> repeatedly and used CBD and uh, as a regular thing, which may be legal. They, in, in California, it's now legal, so it, it may not be something that is illegal, but it may not also be something you necessarily want to broadcast uh, far and wide, or maybe you do. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea of making a joke, I'm giving you money for drugs kind of thing is like, mm -hmm. that's different than something, you know, a researcher saying, listen, I, you know, I, I can tell a lot about what this person is doing and they, they might not want to have settings public. And certainly if you're talking one-on-one -on -one in a DM situation, if you don't know that's public, that's, that's bad UI. Yeah. Now, how is how common is Venmo for you guys down there? Like, I don't know, honestly, anyone up in Canada that uses it because we have some other sort of maybe oh, I use it all solution. the time. It's all somewhat time. generational, I've noticed. Uh, the younger the person is, the much more likely it is they want to be paid by Venmo than a check or something like that. Interesting, because we have something here called uh, uh, Interact eTransfer, and basically anyone with an online bank account can easily transfer money to anyone else with an online bank account for free. All you need mm -hmm. is their email address or... Sounds like Zelle. Yeah. We have a Zelle down here, which is similar. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, sources tell the Wall Street Journal that Samsung is planning to introduce a smartphone with a 7-inch display that can fold in half. A smaller display on the front will be visible when folded, so it can work like a phone, it can work like a small tablet. The phone could cost as much as $1,500. Samsung's also supposedly working on a Bixby-powered smart speaker, uh, which could be part of the Samsung Galaxy Note announcement that is expected uh, at the beginning of August. Is a 7-inch display big enough so that you'd want to fold it? I feel like maybe it would be. Yeah, it is. You've got a small purse, you know, you want to make sure it's compact when you're on the go. Think about the old um, the old uh, Nexus tablet. There was a 7-inch Nexus tablet that was around for years, and I loved reading books on that because it was paperback-sized. It's, it's too big for your pocket. Yeah. It's almost sh- shades of uh, sort of a, a mini Microsoft courier, pro- you know, uh-huh. the abandoned project. And, they, and Microsoft has made intimations, you may have talked about it previously, mm-hmm. about resurrecting that project in some form. But it just anything with moving parts like that just worries me because especially in a screen, like you just open and close, open and close, open and close. Like, how's that going to, how's that going to be in a, in six months or a year or two? Well, years? but I guess it depends on the material that's yeah. around the outside too. Cause like for me, I hate using cases, but I'm always cracking my phone. If I had something that was kind of sturdy so that when I'm throwing it into a bag here and there yeah. or, you know, or not paying attention, I'm not always at risk at cracking my screen. Well, and it's going to be more expensive because you'll need a laptop quality hinge, right? Yeah. Uh, if you're going to have it go through that, that many permutations. Here's what's going to happen. Uh, Microsoft's going to come out with one. Samsung's going to come out with one. HTC, everybody, Huawei, they're all going to come out with them. Uh, they're all going to have problems. It's going to be the hot new trend. And then Apple will come out with one in three years uh, that will claim to have fixed all the problems with the previous foldable displays. Interesting. I'm going to take the contrary viewpoint and say... A bunch of them may come out with them, and then a few years, the fad will die. Yeah, that's probably you know that's those. It's one. It could be one of those two. Like that's definitely a possibility. <laughs> Moving on, the virtual link consortium, including AMD, Nvidia, Oculus, Valve, and Microsoft, has announced an open industry standard for connecting VR headsets using just a single USB-C cable. Currently, most headsets connect over multiple cables like USB-A and HDMI. The standard will only apply to next-gen hardware, however. Yeah. So if you've got an octopus hanging off your head from your HTC Vive right now, this won't fix that. Uh, But this is probably a, 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 a roadblock to adoption for a lot of people is having to deal with all those cables. Well, if you... You get the whole, you know, that, any extra weight on your head after a little while starts to feel like a giant yolk sack, you know, like you're a, a young salmon or something like that. <laughs> you're just like moving your head around and it's like, it's almost like you know, you're kind of drunk or, or you have given too much blood or who knows what. So anything they can do to lighten that load. And, you know, ultimately we want to get to a high bandwidth wireless collection. So all the connections, so all of these things in my mind are just kind of stop gaps until they can get it truly wireless yeah. to your base unit. Absolutely. I, the other thing that occurs to me is uh, if you don't want to have it plugged in all the time, right now it is a pain to rehook up. Uh, that has been an impediment to me actually using mine is because I unplugged it and I'm like, ah, oh, I can't remember where everything goes. It's going to take me forever. Uh, so this would make that uh, easier. But like you say, wireless, that's the way. Or, I mean, or how just, many inputs are in, in your current model, Tom? How many, like, how many things five, do you have? To, I think five really? different cables. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Single USB-C. I'm glad I have all those dongles. Yeah, See? totally. 
Uh, the Google, the Google, as they call it, released its first mini program on the WeChat platform in China. Uh, this is WeChat's kind of mini app platform within the messaging app. The app that Google is releasing is called Guess My Sketch. It's it's just a little game where each player teams up with an AI to battle against friends with an AI to, to make sketches. It's kind of a cool little game, and now it's available in WeChat. Uh, Google has slowly been trying things in the Chinese market where it does not offer Android or the Google Play Store, or Search. So it's making little moves into the market in other ways. And this one is very interesting because it's a competing platform to Google Play. Most recently, uh, Google made its Files Go file management app available in independent Chinese Android app stores. Yeah, you wonder what... uh, is, Is this their kind of roundabout play to get back into the into the Chinese market by experimenting with these little things like what is their ultimate end game here because well it seems like by by yeah being like this is a fun game you might like within the WeChat platform that's Google very much saying we know where everybody's hanging out we just want to be part of that yeah. And WeChat is so dominant in terms of lifestyle for people. There. That's the thing that largely makes the platform like Android or iOS kind of irrelevant. Everyone's on WeChat, people using WePay and whatnot. So I, I get why Google's getting getting in here now. Is it going to be heavily branded with their like as Google just to get that name recognition for when they, maybe they roll out other products that the Chinese government won't have a problem with? I, yeah, I, I feel like they're tr- they're trying lots of different things and learning something and i'm wondering what they're learning and like you said what that end game is uh is it to figure out a way to bring a new service into china that's not google but run by google so that they can continue to say well we don't offer google in china because they they haven't changed their policy when we offer this other uh platform it's very interesting i think another po- possibility here i mean they they mentioned how ai is is part of this and now if it's a sketching game and you've got, you know, people sketching what, you know, their versions of given images, maybe it's helping to train Google's brain, you know, the, the master AI, you know, just like we did with CAPTCHAs for years, yeah, yeah. typing in letters and numbers or for the Google book scanning project. Or now that we're doing with like cars and streets and buses and road signs and stuff like that to, you know, yeah. to help educate the Google brain. Is this another angle to that? Yeah. Learning how and people draw. Guess my sketch is available in the Google Play Store outside of China too. So all that data might be going into one big bucket. Although data storage in China very problematic, as we talked about with the Apple story. Two thousand four hundred individuals and one hundred sixty organizations across ninety countries signed a pledge at the Joint Conference on Artificial Intelligence, promising to quote neither participate in nor support the development, manufacture, trade, or use of lethal autonomous weapons. End quote. The pledge also calls on governments to pass laws against such weapons. Among the signatories, DeepMind, Elon Musk, and the X Prize Foundation. Interesting that DeepMind, which is an alphabet company, signs this, but Google does not. Uh, Google has their own public pledge, which is very similar to this. So I'm not sure why they wouldn't sign it unless it just wasn't an opportunity or they feel like DeepMind signing it is enough. I don't know. But but this is a, a massive document, uh, and pretty much everyone involved in AI is signing on board to say we should not be developing lethal autonomous weapons uh we 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 don't want the ai to have guns basically and there's a whole movement of scientists that uh you know have the website called stop killer robots and it's it's just 
when you talk to people about like networking events or cocktail parties or wherever you hang out and people talk about AI and drones and stuff like that, as soon as you sort of incept in their minds, the whole idea of like a fleet of say a million micro drones that are, have been manufactured for cheap that have just enough processing power to do something like facial recognition and have a single use ballistic built in. And you release them into say a, a very populous city and say, Hey, take out anyone that looks like this. And then people go, Oh, so it's nice to see that corporations are following the lead of scientists and taking these, these kind of warnings seriously because there could be any number of bad actors out there who are using technologies developed by mainstream companies. And, you know, people, people take off-the-shelf stuff and build all sorts of crazy things. So, you know, it, it's nice to see these corporations uh, taking a stand. Now, you know, some of it I could see also being from pressure internally. We saw with Microsoft recently uh, a lot of their employees being very concerned that Microsoft's technically a defense contractor. So anyone who's not signed on, including Google proper, they may be uh, compelled to sign on from due to pressure f- uh, from within. Yeah, and it it is something where I, I feel like it is important to study it in order to be able to combat it. Uh, but I think this this is well worded to say you shouldn't be working on developing it. Studying how it could be done, fine. Developing an actual product, no. That's where we draw the line. Because, yes, somebody can use this for, for ill, but you shouldn't be the one that makes that happen. And I, I think that's that's good uh, in, in this particular case. Well, it's kind of like people, you know, labs developing bioweapons, yeah. right? All right. it takes is one person, one bad actor to scurry out of there with, yeah. with a sample and... You need responsible research because because if you just ban it entirely, that means that only the bad guys understand how it works, and you don't want that either. Uh, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. All right, let's talk about the EU fine. Why did they punish Google this time? Well, it's predicated on an abuse of market dominance. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, 
Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. It's not illegal for Google to dominate the market. It's illegal for Google to use the dominance to drive out other competitors. Android has around 70 to 75 percent of the EU market, and the EU Commission didn't really consider iOS to be a competitor because they say it's in its own ecosystem. It, they're considering only other Android phones as competitors to Android, which is a little bit weird. Google does have about 90% of the market share for search, and a lot of this has to do with their dominance in search being abused as well. So the EU found that restrictions on the use of Google's distribution of Android did deny rivals a chance to innovate and compete on the merits in breach of antitrust rules all the way back to 2011. They said, we found faults at 2011 forward. Number one, was Google paying manufacturers and network operators to pre-install Google's search app exclusively? And Google actually stopped that practice in 2014 when this investigation began. It was the first thing they did to say, you know what, we won't do that anymore. So that's less of an issue. It's more about punishing them for what they did before 2014 in that case. The other two, they're still doing. Uh, requiring manufacturers to install Google's search and browser app in order to get a license to use the Google Play Store. Remember, it's free to use Android. Anybody can use Android. But if you want to use the Google Play Store, you have to agree to install the Google search and browser app. And they prohibit manufacturers from selling any device with an alternative version of Android if they want the right to distribute Android with the Google apps. So, for instance, Amazon could not also make an Android phone with Google Play if they wanted to make the Fire phone, meaning any other manufacturer who made an Android phone with the Google Play Store on it couldn't make the Fire phone for Android or for Amazon. It limited the manufacturers that Amazon could work with. And that's true for Cyanogen. It's true for Sailfish, all of the other Android alternatives. Google has 90 days to stop these practices and pay their fine. However... Google says it will appeal the decision, so that 90-day clock is paused while they appeal. Uh, if you remember, Google was fined 2.42 billion euros last year for manipulating search results and is appealing that decision as well. And these appeals can last for a long time, for years and years. Uh, there's also an ongoing investigation into Google AdSense that has not been resolved, so that shoe is left to drop. In a blog post, Sundar Pichai said... So far, the Android business model has meant that we haven't had to charge phone makers for our technology or depend on a tightly controlled distribution model. Wink, wink. <laughs> he's not outright saying it, but he's implying that we might have to charge for Android instead of giving away for free if these rules are not overturned on appeal. So let's, let's unpack this a little bit, Tristan and Sarah, and start with what do you think of the let's 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 not worry about the paid thing since Google stopped that already. What do you think about the EU's insistence that Google not require manufacturers uh, to install the search or browser app and require them to not make any alternative Android phones if they want to have the Google Play Store? Well, <laughs> big issue, Sarah. You got a thought? Go ahead. Uh, I mean, my first thought is it was sort of it was sort of Tom's third point where. 
okay, I get why Google would say, listen, the, you know, these apps, they're, you know, they're customized, they're, they're quickest. This is, you know, going to help anybody with an Android phone, um, uh, you know, be able to manage their data as great as possible. You know, they all work well together. However, not allowing manufacturers to have Android forks, which I, and I know a lot of, a lot of folks with Android phones over the years have been like, ah, you know, Samsung's proprietary, whatever, like, ugh, I hate this, but not allowing an OEM to, install that that's kind of the one thing i take issue with most yeah i think any any time a government it's like a quasi-governmental body i mean the eu is like a, a super government of unelected representatives and how technically you know savvy are they you know do we want them making rules for tech companies about issues like this i mean there is competition in the market ios i mean sure google android has 70 percent in the eu but ios is still you know, probably close to 30%. So that is competition in the marketplace. And if people don't want, you know, you know, don't want Google stuff pre-installed and don't want to, you know, you know, they, and they don't want to be, you know, be limited with their options, they can go and, you know, choose an, an Apple uh, device. Now, the thing is, is that there, I mean, there's such a, a variety of, of Android devices out there. And I think part of this is a, a complication of Google's, whole premise i mean they they kind of want to have it both ways they want to make it free for for the uh the manufacturers to use the handset manufacturers but at the same time it's like well if you want to do it this way then you've got to follow all these rules and i think that lack of simplicity kind of complicates things for themselves if they just said hey it's free to everyone to use you know go nuts that would be simpler if you said hey it's free for everyone to use and here's all the rules and if you don't follow these rules that's it you either allow forks or don't allow forks you know, and it, all of these things have sort of led to the, the fragmentation we've seen in the, in the Android market. So, I, you know, all that being said, I don't really like the idea of a regulator going and saying, hey, guys, you've got to change because of how, how we think you should be doing business. Because there are still, you know, other competitors out there. And they, there were in the past. We, we had Nokia and Symbian. You know, there may be some that emerge in the future. And, you know... You know, we, Microsoft has learned the hard way with the EU and with the Department of Justice back in the back in the 90s. I think a company like Apple might be looking at this going, Ooh, well, if they're looking at, you know, Google and not having a competitive marketplace within Android, well, wh- who's to, what's to stop them from looking within the Apple ecosystem and saying, hey, you're not competitive there because you're not even letting anyone else make any handsets at all or letting people install alternative app stores. So I think it might set a dangerous precedent whenever a, the, a body like that says, you know what, you're a little too dominant in that space when it might not actually be the case. Yeah. And because Apple only has 25, 26% of the market, they they can't be accused of abusing the dominance, right? That is their shield right now. And also the fact that it's like, this is our product. We don't let anyone else use our operating system. Uh, so there is no anti-competitive behavior there because they can go make their own operating system if they want to. But if Apple had 90% of the market, well, maybe that argument would be different. And I feel the same way as you, Tristan, about the second rule we talked about. If Google wants to say, if you want our apps, you have to take these. Like, we're not going to give them out piecemeal. Is essentially what they're doing by tying stuff to the Google Play Store. If you want to get the Google Play Store, you have to agree not to use other Play Stores because that's confusing. That's the one where I, I feel like the EU can make an argument, but I think it should be allowed uh, to say, like, if you want our apps, you have to have them as a bundle. The Google Play Store, the search, and the browser. We, the, the EU itself has proven that browser choice generally doesn't have an effect. That, that browser choice choice window on windows uh really didn't change the marketplace on the other hand 
Google prohibiting a manufacturer from making another kind of phone uh, <laughs> because they're making the, a Google kind of phone. I think that one clearly strays into anti-competitive behavior. Uh, if you can't say to somebody... Well, if you want our operating system, you can't make other things uh, and oh, not yeah, risk sure. antitrust. That 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 is the the definition of antitrust. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that that that's a, that's a bit of a bridge too far there, and that's you've seen, we've seen that in in under, other industries too. When you you know even when it comes to you know selling certain products, well, you can't sell this if you also sell a competitor's product, and that's that gets a bit much, especially if it's coming from uh, a place of dominance there. So I think, uh, I mean, Google's obviously going to fight this and, you know, it remains to be seen how it all, it all, it all comes out in the wash. But I think part of this, these issues has stemmed from the fact that Google broke up Android into its smaller constituent parts to help combat the fragmentation that was happening because we've seen so many older phones uh, are not getting the full system software updates, either due to carrier restrictions or obstacles or what have you. So Google started breaking apart, you know, into Google Play services and all of that kind of stuff, which, again, makes all these licensing considerations even more complicated. And of course, Apple doesn't have that problem because, you know, they own the whole widget. But yeah. I think, you know, they might still be concerned if you've got, despite their relatively small market share compared to Android, that, you know, if you've got regulators that don't maybe get all the nuances of the tech side, they may decide to focus their sights on a company like Apple now, which is do dominant within its own realm, and they might, you know. So I think they're. I think everyone's watching this very closely. The uh, it, it's odd to think that if Android were not free, if Google said you can only get Android from us, it's our version of Linux, and we can do it like Red Hat, only us, uh, and whoever we want gets it because they pay us or whatever. They would have fewer problems. It's the fact that they give it out for free and pretend that it's an open platform, but then essentially lock it down by saying, but you can't use our Google stuff, is what the EU is identifying. They're saying Google stuff has become essential because of market dominance, and so withholding it essentially, essentially kills the competition. And then there's Oracle and Sun going, yeah, and that was kind of part of our code that you used as well, but we're like, <laughs> we'll not go there. Yeah, right. That's a, another lawsuit. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit, dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com is where you can submit stories and vote on other stories that your peers submit. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. All right. We get the feedback from the people and we love it. What's in the mailbag, Sarah? Justin, uh, the pilot. Uh, it's just another pilot. Just another pilot. Pardon me. Um, actually, great email. Um, I've parsed it down just a little bit, Justin, but you're the best. Weighs in on our manned drones discussion. We had that late last week. The idea of people, yeah, if you're if you're piloting a drone, are you a pilot? What are what what are the legality issues here? Uh, it says full licensing is a good thing. Uh, pilots of all variety should work hard for that goal. I would assume that the FAA would eventually come up with a small program for these manned drones. But it says a lot to me that the FAA hasn't done anything yet to keep these things in the air with people. Then he also he had a variety of kind of jokey ideas, uh, and we just went with one. Uh, one is the FAA will shut this down tomorrow, not by licensing, but by still making passengers go through TSA screening before jumping on a drone. Yeah, imagine if you have to, you know, get there an hour ahead in order to jump on your single auto autonomous right. drone. <laughs> Well, you know, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But we, uh, it's good to get a pilot weighing in on this uh, and, and the importance of, of the uh, FAA rules and, and said it seemed like uh, everything we said on the show was, a, was about right. So thank yeah. you for that as well. And good to have Tristan Jutras weighing in on this show. Tristan, been so nice to have you. Let folks know where they can keep up with your work. 
You can find me at www.tristanjutra.com. Check the show notes for the spelling or limestonelearning.com for my day job. Uh, and we have been saying your name wrong, and you very politely have not corrected us. It's Jutra. I apologize. Jutra. That's quite all right. Or but you could go Jutra if you I want to go could full claim, I mean, In fairness, you're probably used to it. but I could yes, claim my mispronunciation Jutra. was a way to make sure people knew there was an S at the end when they go look it up. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> not, a, yeah. not what was happening at all, well, but... Maybe. I'm a big fan of Sarah, Sarah Lene as well. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Ooh, that's a good one. Scooter Lene. Tomas Marie. Uh, hey, uh, thank you for directly supporting the show. There's a good number of you who want to support us on Patreon directly. It's Skip the Middleman. Uh, you can do that and you get access to Discord and exclusive columns and all kinds of cool stuff at patreon.com slash DTNS. Hey, our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We'd love to have you join us live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. That's 2030 UTC. And you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. You have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.